Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are a church located in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to know God and to make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how to partner with us, visit us at fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. God is good and he's certainly here. I love when God comes and he loves to come. In fact, that's the purpose of our gathering. I said earlier the church is imperfect and it is. But Jesus is perfect. And the Bible says that where two or three are gathered, I'll be there. And when he's there, things happen. How many know he saves, he heals? He sets us free and brings us into liberty. He blesses every part of our lives. In fact, I have a little bit of a talk. This is not at all related exactly with what I'm going to share. But I felt to read this to us to encourage us. You know, somehow the Lord sometimes gets a bad rap and serving him is deemed hard. But I'd like to say the way... Of the sinner, the transgressor, the Bible says, is hard. His way is glory. His way is light. Not everyone here is called the same way. We're all different. But whether you're a preacher, whether you're not, whether you're a missionary, whether you're not, God is interested in you, your family, your business. He wants to do something mighty in your relationship. And I'm going to prove that to you just by a few verses. You all know them. Blessed is the man or woman that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he doth meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper." Did you hear that? God is not just after us being churchaholics. He's after us walking with him and blessing every part of our lives. But we come together to be strengthened, to be quickened, to be filled, so we can go out and do something and live lives that are productive and blessed. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. That includes your business, your family, your health, everything. The ungodly are not so. But like the chaff which the wind drives away, therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And so God sets before us life, and we can choose life or death, blessing or cursing. You know, when you think of your Christian life and you think of your life, It is actually a conglomeration of wise or unwise choices. And that's what it is. And so let's choose wisely. Let's choose Jesus and be blessed and be a blessing. So I want you to turn with me, uh, first of all, to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm going to be speaking about the making of a vessel today. We've been talking about vessels, but how are vessels made? That's important to know. I like details. I like things that explain the truth so I know how to grasp it. So I'm going to endeavor to do that today. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 2, though, we have this verse about vessels. We began this with, in verse 19, this is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. I'm going to read 19, 20, 21. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And so we already heard that. God knows us. And then it says, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. For in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also vessels of wood and earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. I'd like you to read verse 21 with me. That's a key verse about a vessel. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every work. It seems pretty powerful there. He will be a vessel, a fine vessel in the house of the Lord. He'll be sanctified, meaning set apart, cleansed, meet for the master's use. He'll be the one that God can use because he has made himself ready for that and prepared unto every good work. God has a great work for every one of us. I'm absolutely convinced because the Bible says so in Hebrews. We all shall know him from the least to the greatest. Sometimes we think, well, apostles, prophets, and even in that list, I'm a pastor, so I'm the last one on the list, right? But you know, all of us can have as much of Jesus as he has for us. And we're going to read at the end of my sermon, the fullness of Jesus fills every one of us, but you've got to give yourself and put yourself in the place to be filled. All right, now we have some coaches here, coaches I respect, basketball, baseball, and they know that everything you excel in takes an application. But we don't think that's hard. We don't think of that as negative. We think of the goal. We want to become an excellent basketball player or baseball player. We want to excel perhaps in school or whatever your goal is. You want to give the effort. Many of you have gone to college. It wasn't easy to go to college. It wasn't easy to get a bachelor's degree, a master's degree. I preach at a church every year for 31 years now. It's an Asian church filled with Chinese folks. It's a church of about 200, and they have about 90 PhDs. Now, that's amazing. Amen. They are mathematicians, chemists. Actually, the pastor was considered one of the fourth best nuclear physicists in the world. I don't even know what that is. All I know, he traveled the world. He gave that up to serve God in ministry. But they paid a real price. They came from Taiwan, many of them, mainland China. There was not much opportunity. And they came to this country, and man, they went after it. And they got it because they applied themselves. Yes. Folks, I wish I could tell you in the things of God, it's just as easy. You have everything. You don't have to do anything. But that's not what the Bible says. And so I can't say that. I can say provisionally all things are yours in Christ. I can say that he wants to give you all things. But the Bible says, Paul says, I travail over you till Christ be fully formed in you. 
Paul says, if you be risen with Christ, that means born again, saved. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits. The Bible says, seek ye second the kingdom of God. Or third the kingdom. He said, seek first, because God is central. Because when we have him, as we already read in Psalm 1, he blesses everything else. And so to withdraw from applying yourself to God is to hinder God from revealing himself and coming to you. And we don't want to get, you know, would you like to go to the table today and all there was was green beans? When they're sizzling a steak and there's mashed potatoes. You can tell I like those things. You don't want to eat a part of a meal. You don't want to just know you're going to heaven. You want to have heaven to come into your soul. You want to be filled with glory. You want to walk with God. That's what this church is all about, folks. This is not for the lighthearted that just want to have a church affiliation. This is a deep life, spirit-filled church where our goal is to get you and to help you and stand with you that you will come into all Jesus has for you and that you will receive great blessing and be a testimony where people will look at your life and see the glory and the joy and the provision and the blessing and the miracles because that's who he is. So I'm going to talk about that today in a very positive way. You know why? Because God is positive. And so we want to look at that. So we want to be vessels unto honor for his name's sake. Last week, if you remember, we spoke much about the Apostle Paul. I want to pick up there. Some of it I'm just going to remind some maybe weren't here last week. We talked about Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9. You know how mighty of a man he became. And while how God used him. And we mentioned that probably if we picked leaders, we wouldn't have chosen Peter or Paul. One denied the Lord, and one was persecuting and murdering Christians. So they would not have been on my list. I would have vetted them and said, neither one of these guys fulfill the qualifications. But we mentioned a good thing. God doesn't look at where we were. He looks at what we can become. Hallelujah. I'm sure, Darren, when you play with, you see things in a kid that maybe they don't see in themselves and you see a potential there and excites you because even though they're not proficient yet, they don't know how to play well yet, they have something in a drive and they're going to apply themselves and they have a natural ability. God sees a natural ability in every one of us here and he is after making you all that you can be. Amen. Every parent's like that. Ask John Gordon what I put him through. Oh, it wasn't easy, but it was important. Amen. So anyway, I'll leave him alone for once. Okay. So Paul was so special to God. He had something mighty in him. He saw what he was going to do with him. And I mentioned last week, and I repeat, God doesn't choose the mighty in this world. It says he chooses the base things, the things that are despised to bring to naught the things that are. You don't have to have a lot in your own self. You have a God that has everything, and you put your body and you put your life and he begins to fashion you. He begins to mold you. Has anybody ever seen pottery made? It's such a beautiful thing. It's so soft and so tender until it dries and that potter's hand just molds. God wants to make you a vessel for his use and he knows just what kind of vessel you're going to be. And God doesn't make us Chevy Cavaliers. He doesn't stamp us out the same way. Thank God I didn't like a Chevy Cavalier. Oh, that was an ugly car. But oh, he makes you a wonderful, wonderful vehicle 
for his use. He molds you beautifully. And so that's what we're after. So Paul was in God's hands. And you know after he had this experience we mentioned, he was blind and he was so smitten. The Lord said, you've kicked against the pricks. And he said to the Lord, what would you have me to do? And who are you? And Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you persecuted. And he arises and he goes to Damascus. And there's a wonderful verse that I love. When Ananias was told about Paul, this is Acts chapter 9, verse 11. It says, and the Lord said unto Ananias, arise and go into the city which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, and then I have it underlined in my Bible, for behold, he prays. My, my Bible says, prayeth, but I cut it out, all right? So I try to make it easier here, and then we get rid of the King James. But heaven knows when you pray. In fact, the first prayer that often we pray is the sinner's prayer. I hope that wasn't the last prayer you prayed. Because God hasn't given us the sinner's prayer. And prayer is not just for sinners. Prayer is to make us saints and overcomers. Prayer will bring us into perfection. Prayer is key to our Christian development. And so I would like to encourage every one of us to engage in beginning to seek him daily. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. There's a finding of Jesus, folks, that's beyond the sinner's prayer, beyond knowing you're forgiven, beyond knowing you're going to heaven. It's beyond that. It's into the heart of God where he begins to reveal his purpose and plan, and he begins to mold you and fashion you and put some new things in you that you never thought you could have, but God has them for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God, he wants to make us strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And to do that, we got to make a way for him to come in. He knows what he's doing. Let him in. Seeking equals finding. Prayer is not work. Prayer is yielding. Prayer is receiving. Prayer is putting you at the end of this wonderful stream we've been hearing about in this meeting that's flowing. I feel it even as I preach. I wish I didn't have to preach. I'd like to just enjoy Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you pray. You put yourself in the spot where the glory is coming now. Yeah. Hallelujah. And it makes you smile. It makes you happy. It gives you peace. It gives you hope. Yeah. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. amen. All right. That's pretty good. All right. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Ask and you might receive. Seek and you could find. Knock and he might open. No. You ask, you got it. You seek, it's yours. You knock and he's going to pour it out. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How many like to give gifts to your children? You know, I... Well, my, I was so happy when my son began to play ba baseball. I actually bought him baseball equipment, although I didn't let him catch. I didn't want him to get hurt. Yeah, because I got hurt playing. You didn't know this, Danny. I shouldn't tell you. It has nothing to do with my sermon. I was catching, and this big kid came up with his knee, and he knocked me out. I was out for over an hour. Yeah. And strange things happened to me. 
especially my grades. Yeah. What happened was when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, something wonderful happened. Every sign, every symptom, everything that that concussion took away, God gave back. Hallelujah. So I never let my son play, even though I had a catcher's mask. Amen. How many like to give good gifts to your children? How many really, really like to give good gifts to each other? How many like to give Christmas presents? Yes. We don't give Christmas presents in the Cargan house. What we do is we ask each one to make a list of what they like. And then we buy them what they like. And then when you open it up, you have to say, oh, that's great. Just what I wanted. But we love to give good gifts to our children. But Jesus said, if you being in the natural and evil, you like to give good gifts to your children, how much more, say it with me, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So when you come to the Father, he's rejoicing over you. We sang, he's singing, oh, I love that song. He's singing over me. He's rejoicing that I'm in the place where he can do something new. And he delights and he sends forth something that maybe I've never experienced before. And it gives me a new sight of how wonderful he is. Folks, the way of Jesus is past finding out. Throughout all eternity, we're going to receive more and more and more and more. I don't know what's going to happen. How are we going to contain it? I think we're going to bust. But he's given us the privilege. Hallelujah. We're getting ready to reign with him. He's working things eternal in our lives now. Little by little. He doesn't choose to just give it all the time. But he gives you another taste. And it makes you hunger. And he gives you a new revelation. It makes you hungry. And you come deeper to him. And all your heart becomes so full. And then it begins to flow out of you. You know ministry just doesn't come because you go to Bible school. Ministry is the outflow of the inflow. If it doesn't flow in, it doesn't flow out. We need to have Jesus. Hallelujah. Nothing against Bible school. It's a good plan once in a while. And God works through it. So what happens here? Paul's praying. And the Lord sends Ananias. And you know Ananias lays his hands on Paul. And he receives the Holy Spirit. And he's healed. And he sees. And his ministry seems to begin. He goes out and preaches. But it really didn't begin for a while. In fact, if you read Galatians, his ministry didn't begin for 14 years. For 14 years, Paul gets alone with God. For 14 years, he seeks God. It doesn't seem like that's the truth. But that is the case if you study it out. Paul didn't go right out. But Paul was chosen of God. And God visited him because he prayed. Folks, everything begins and continues and finishes in prayer. And with it, the word of God. You continue seeking and you're going to continue finding. You continue asking and you're going to continue receiving. You go after God and the stream will never end. And you'll never get bored. And you'll never come to me and say, oh, I got to go to another church because I'm dry. I know, you know, I I can't say this, but a lot of people dry up because they're not receiving. And they're not receiving because they're not giving themselves. You know, I go to a doctor and he has something on his wall that I thought was very good. It says the doctor cannot do what the patient will not do. 
And it's the same thing with God. So among God, help us to be hungry. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger, for they shall be filled. I wanted to just remind you that in Acts chapter 13, we have a wonderful story. Maybe you can turn there and see Paul's life continuing. And here he was part of the church. It's a good thing to be part of the body. And it says in verse 1 of Acts 13, it says, Now there were in the church which was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, which was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menanan, which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And then it says, And when they fasted, they they laid hands and prayed and laid hands on them and sent them away. Not only was Paul saved and healed because the heavens saw him praying, but he was one that continued in prayer. And in that continuing in prayer, God makes him this mighty apostle. Can you imagine? A fellow who stoned Stephen, and history tells us when Stephen was stoned, 2,000 other Christians were murdered. That's a lot of people. And it was Saul that was the one consenting to their death. And here this man has such a transformation that he's with the other apostles and prophets and he's praying and God's molding him. And then in this season of fasting and prayer, the Holy Ghost speaks from heaven and sends this mighty man out. But as I said, there were years of preparation. Paul was the one who says to us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. And then he says in another place, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. That doesn't mean that you pray 24 hours a day. Look, I understand the challenge. Many men work and don't work eight hours like when I was a boy. It's more like 10 hours or more. And the women work and you have responsibility. You're on the job. You can't pray on your knees all the time. But you can take a segment of your day to get alone with this stream of life and this blessing of God and get into his presence. Maybe you have to start with 10 minutes. Maybe you can stretch it to 15. But you take time to put him on your schedule and you're faithful to it. That's what it means when it says continue in prayer. And pray without ceasing. So we all ought to be drawing closer to God. And really, really wanting God to come to our lives. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And I want you to see how Paul prays. But before we turn to that, turn to Galatians, alright? Galatians chapter 1. And here in Galatians, we have a detailed account. We won't read all of it today, but if you want to really see what Paul did to prepare for what he became and the vessel God made him, read Galatians 1 and 2. But I'm just going to read a few verses, verse 11 and 12, all right? This is Galatians 1, 11 and 12. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for neither received it, neither I received it of man, neither was taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now that's something to say. He says, the gospel I'm preaching, I didn't get from man. 
I didn't get from information. I got it by impartation. I didn't get it from information. I got it by revelation. And folks, I don't think we understand that. We go to school, we go to college, we get a degree, then we have it, then we walk it out, then we get the job. And Jesus is different. It's a living thing. We walk with him. He lives in us. We don't only get, we don't come to a place where I'm saved, I speak in tongues. You know, we have to live in the spirit. We walk in the spirit. We live daily. Oh, hallelujah. I must have said something good. I feel it. Hallelujah. So he says, I didn't receive this after man. I didn't receive it by man. But I was taught it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look what it says here in verse 13. For you have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals. He's had something really to be boastful and prideful about. But when he found Jesus, he gave it up all. He said, I count all things but refuse that I might win Christ. But then look what it says in verse 15 and 16. These are two of the most precious verses to me because I believe they're so important to the church. It says this, When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. And he goes on and tells that he didn't hobnob with the apostles. He didn't get it from that course. He got it alone with God. Folks, God is waiting for you. Yes. Hallelujah. I thank God for godly teachers, example, environments, even the meeting we have today. I feel his presence. But you know, there's something about getting alone. One great minister said who truly was apostle, he started 18 churches and trained 50 ministers, so maybe he was. He said this, if you want to find God alone, you got to find him alone. It's not a hayride. And the climate in the church is pretty ordinary. But thank God he's looking for the twos and threes. Thank God he's looking for that hungry heart. His eyes, as our brother said, I believe prophetically, is looking for that one who wants more. Like Paul, behold, he prays. And then he prays, and God says, send him out. He got alone. He got a revelation. It was so real to him. He said, if any man preach any other gospel than I preach, let him be cursed. He was so sure of what he preached. Christians aren't like that today. Some are mid-trib, some are post-trib. You know, some are amillennial, some are premillennial, some are postmillennial, and some are preterists, and they have all these different shades of meaning. You know what? I don't care what you are. I want you to have him. Hallelujah. Paul got him. I don't even know what Paul was. I knew he knew he was coming. I know he believed in the second coming, and I do too. But you can know all the details, all the doctrines. Amen. But you got to know him. And I feel he's just waiting for you to come. I feel he's longing over you. I feel he wants to give you a fresh taste. Hallelujah. 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 Some of us remember way back. 
I thank God for the good old days. But today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. He's waiting for you today. He wants to come to you. All right, I have a few verses in closing, and I will close. You know, sometimes pastors say they close, and their closing takes about 15 minutes. In fact, I had a friend when he would be asked to speak, he knew he had only had 15 minutes, so he'd start by saying in conclusion. So anyway, that was kind of good. But I love these verses. Paul not only got the revelation, but you know what he prays for the church at Ephesians chapter 1? I love this. It says this, since we heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, I cease not to pray for you and make mention of you in my prayers. Look what he prays. This is verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the glory the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints do you know that God has an inheritance in you he wants to give you as he gave Paul the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him you see all the truths of the Bible are pathways to the feet of Jesus. Truth isn't to be argued about or just learned in a book. This is truth that reveals Jesus because he has an inheritance in his people and he wants to come and bring us all into the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not one in this room is excluded. There's no second strings here. There's no one who can't play. Everyone is chosen and called God wants you to respond to that. All right. My page turned. Amen. I got to use one of those iPad things. Before the end of the year, I'm going to preach from an iPad. You're going to be amazed. I don't know how it will work, but I'm going to do it. My page turned again. Who made these Bibles? Okay, here, I can put my finger here. The spirit of revelation, all right, revealing Christ to you. Verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who who believe according to the working of his mighty power? So this mighty power by revelation comes, this mighty power fills us. Let me show you what this power is. Verse 20, this is Ephesians 1.20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That power of God in us is the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Is that something you wish and hope for? It's done. He died. You were raised with him. And his fullness changes you and me. We come out of our old self. We come out of our bondage, sorrow, night. We come into his freedom. We come into the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, let me finish here. And this power is far above all principality and power and might and dominion. What is that? The devil. 
We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality and powers. But I want to tell you, whatever you've inherited, whatever is your difficulty, perhaps in your nature, God is greater than that. His resurrection is greater than that death. Hallelujah. All right, one more, one more, one more. And he hath put all things under his feet. Come on, all things. All things that are affecting your kids. All things in sickness. All the works of the enemy. Everything is under the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. Someone shout. Someone get excited. Someone thank God for what he does. Hallelujah. All things are under his feet. One more verse and I'm closed. You ready? I don't know why God's making me so dramatic. I'm just a very simple. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in and all. Let me say it like I feel it. Jesus has a fullness for every member in his church. Jesus has fullness for the whole body. He's defeated every enemy. He's made you more than conquer through him who loved us. And he wants you to go after it. And as you go after it, it's going to come down. And you're going to be so thankful you heard this sermon. But you got a choice. Are you going to apply or are you going to reject? Are you going to say yes or are you going to just keep going on? But that's not going to happen, is it? Because we've heard the word of God. we felt his presence here, haven't we? And so it's too late for an altar call, I guess. My wife, should we have an altar call? How about we first stand? That would be a help. Hallelujah. How many want the spirit of revelation? The spirit of wisdom and revelation.